Welcome back to the Horizons Industry Podcast, the music industry podcast looking from today's landscapes into an ever-expanding tomorrow. My name is Rowan James, and with me I have co-host and fellow SCU student, Will Matrakis. Today we're coming to you from Lismore, the unceded lands of the Widgeable Wyabal people of the Bundjalung Nation. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge all elders past, present and emerging before moving on to our conversation. Hey guys, my name is Wilma Trakis. I'm a local drummer um, up in Northern Rivers Territory. I'm here talking about film music. Yantra DeVilda is our first guest on here now. She has given herself to an incredible range of musical projects over the years. Yantra is a composer and sound artist who has had her work broadcast on national television networks as well as internationally. She has worked with a myriad of fantastic documentary makers and media outlets, including the BBC, National Geographic, the ABC, and the SBS, to name a few. She's facilitated a wide range of live multimedia events and performances, as well as created many self-directed artistic multimedia pieces that convey powerful messages and feelings, which I've personally enjoyed a great deal. A list of film festival awards, successful grants, and less categorizable artistic achievements is incredible. To find out more, visit her website at www.yantra.com.au. Welcome, Yantra. Thank you. Good to be with you. Well, to start off with, I figured we could talk a little bit about the documentaries you compose for, documentaries that you're not necessarily the creative director of. I'm wondering what it's like from that perspective, liaising with cinematographers or directors and everyone that might be involved? Well, I've actually got a great team that I work with up there in the Northern River, Rivers. Um, David Worth is a cinematographer, incredible cin cinematographer. Um, Michael Balson is a director and editor. We did the Rainforest, the Secret of Life project together. That's when I was living up there. And um, so, yeah, most uh, I've done quite a, yeah, most of the documentaries I've done actually have been when I was living up in Byron. Um, I also work with David Bradbury. He's a, he's a wonderful documentary maker. He lives up in Byron. We did a film called The Battle of Byron, um, yeah, it's, a, it's really, it's about developing relationships with a team. For instance, those guys I've worked with for the last 20 years, you know, and they just rang me last week and uh, we we're talking about doing a new project together out of the blue. So um, I'd, it's all about developing relationships of trust and um, actually, that's what I spoke about in my doctorate, which was um, focusing on the artistic moment. And as part of that collaboration in teams, not only in performing teams, but in production teams. And the essence of my doctorate for the search for the artistic moment is you have to have these three things in place. These, um, you have to have a listening you have to have a respect and then out of that comes trust. So it comes in those orders. So 
when you're working very closely with um, filmmakers, directors, you've really got to be able to listen to, understand what they really are wanting behind the story, behind the music. Sometimes they don't know how to communicate in musical terms, so they give. it's really handy actually when they give you what's called a, a temp track. Um, and I've learned so much from working with temp tracks because, you know, I've been given incredible temp tracks like uh, anything from Led Zeppelin to Moby to uh, Mozart. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and particularly in advertising, I've worked quite a bit in advertising and they give you, they, uh, you know, they say this is what we want, this is the style we want and this we want it in one minute, 30, one minute and 30 second and 15 second and 10 second mixes. So. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's really important if you're a composer like I am to be able to, you know, set up a studio like I've done now that I'm really happy with so you can create your own work because composing does, I, I do it, it it's a loan. It's an, a loan uh, process at, right at the heart of it, yeah. Even though I work with a 50-piece choir and 10-piece music ensemble, my ephemera choir and ensemble, when I'm actually in the heart of the composition, that's a loan. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. so interesting. How would you say um, it would be easier to compose certain music to films? Would you say it would be easier to create the music first, then organized film like as inspiration or would you rather have a theme for your music well firstly I always as I mentioned before I always come from in my projects that I've got creative control it's always the music first the music always comes out first and the music's got to always got a feeling and that tells me what the song is and so the music comes first and then the the uh the words come out of the music and the, Mm -hmm. the rhythm of the music and then the then that narrative comes in and it's usually I'm like who I believe that artists are like the antennas of the universe if we're doing our job properly we're um we're tuning into the zeitgeist of the time and we can Mm. be reflectors of that we can ask questions about it we can I'm just place some of my pieces like my latest one have we paid our dues it's just a question have you seen that one yeah, I have. I've seen I've seen a few other ones we've talked about. Yeah, that have we paid our Jesus? It's about twelve minutes or so, and it's really fantastic combination of imagery and sound. Uh, I think it's my work is very feminine, actually. I do think I come from very feminine, softer perspective, even in the layering that I do of the visuals and how I use watercolors a lot in my animation. So. Um, Wow. Yeah, that's that's beautiful stuff, hey. I noticed you've had a wide range of grants and residencies throughout your career. You'd have to be quite diligent to keep up with some of the opportunities as they come up. Could you talk to that a bit? Yes, it's good to keep up to date with everything that's happening. Um, for international residencies, you just Google international residencies as a, as a site with that. For film festivals, um, it, Film Freeway is a great portal. Um, yeah, international residencies, there's a range of different things. Um, some you have to pay, some they pay you. 
uh, some you have to get there under your own steam. Some they support you to get there. So there's a there's a wide range of different options. Then there's always grants from our local government here. You know, I get supported by Create New South Wales, Multicultural Arts New South Wales, um, my local council, Central Coast Council for place activation work. Yeah, it's it's um, you've got to you've got to be able to read the changing landscape that we're in. The music industry is all changing um, and you've got to stay abreast of the changes and make the most of it and um, produce content. That's it, hey. That's it. Yeah, it's all about being frequent, isn't it? It's two different things, producing and creating. And, like, the producing you've got to is getting your head around the grants, film freeway, you know, like that I send the stuff out to festivals, um, then using all that as promotional tools. So the production, producing part of it is different to the creative part, but they are both essential. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would be. Have you found that kind of releasing your your craft and your what you've been composing on YouTube and other socials like that, have you found that that's you know, uh, spreading out a bit more globally than it was before or have you, what would, what's your point of view yes, on that? Well, look, I've had a really interesting thing happen since COVID. I mm. released an album many, many years ago in the 90s uh, called um, Oceania, The Promise of Tomorrow, and it was a soundtrack for a film. And, it, yeah, it, 84, I think it was, 1984. And I just... I did this film, I did the soundtrack, and then I just made some cassettes, right? Cassettes oh, of right. Yeah. album. The style would be called vaporwave these days. Okay, so I forgot about it. I forgot I forgot I'd, I'd even done it. In about 1990, when I was at Southern Cross, I I did release, I, I um released some of those tracks with a publisher. Mm. Uh not all of them, just some of them, with my film music publisher in Melbourne. Uh, but then, look, I, I just I kind of forgot about it. During COVID last year, I got contacted by a record label, two different record labels, one in Spain and one in America, and they wanted to release a vinyl of Oceania, The Promise of Tomorrow. And I'm like, what? They said, and they directed <laughs> me to it. What? I didn't even, I, I'd forgotten about it, and they directed me to this, um, to this site called Should Be Asleep. And on this site, Oceania, The Promise of Tomorrow, someone had found, the, this is the true story, they'd found the cassette in a, an old, um, in a secondhand shop in Perth. This guy is a curator of rare and unusual Japanese composers. Mm. Um, and he's got this site called Should Be Asleep that he um I think, I don't even know when he started it, but it was happening in COVID very strongly. Like it was big time, this site. Oceania had become like, it had got over so many views, like <laughs> how many, 50,000 or, oh, look, I need to Whoa. look at it. I can't remember. Like it's it's just going up. It's rising exponentially since should it's be asleep. Crazy. I mean, so, since COVID. Now, people have just, and they're loving this album. But I, so I contacted my publishers and said, hey, 
they were like, no, no, because this, these companies wanted to release the vinyls and I was sort of in this bidding war. And so my publisher wouldn't release the, the other tracks. So um, it just is what it is. And I'm, I don't mind. It's just getting lots of people are loving it and helping them go to sleep. And it's and they're asking me, how did you make that music? Like it's the vapor wave. You're the vapor wave queen. And <laughs> I can't remember. I'll have to look up the number, but it um, it's doing really well. Wow, well congratulations! Wow. So I mean, that's that's the thing of. You know, and with the with my YouTube channel, with the films, uh, you know, I just create. I'm I'm creating them. They're, they're probably going in, in towards a bigger project, uh, which will be a live performance, almost like a rock opera. Uh, but that's mm. down the track. So, but meanwhile, because they I'm sending them out to festivals and they're getting accolades, that all goes in towards getting grants, you know, because yeah. that's what it's about. When you've got, it's very helpful to be called a doctor, as I am, and it's also very helpful to be get to have awards and grants. You put that right up the top of your grants application. <laughs> Hi, doctor here. Look what I've just won. <laughs> <laughs> and people listen to you. And also if, I, if you ever mentioned BBC, because I've worked with the BBC a lot, and you say that too. So people, you know, that's just three things, doctor, <laughs> awards, BBC. <laughs> that's just all in brackets power, after your name. <laughs> powerful tools up front to get the funding. You know, you have to be, these days funding is, is available from different sources, not the old way so much it's changing the landscape's changing yeah that's it it's always changing it will will never be the same and i I suspect after covid as well it's going to be a whole whole new thing yeah and and the creation of media content is a really important space Mm -hmm. that's where i live in the creative space in the creation of media content Mm. during covid yeah definitely That's you it. know, I do live shows when we can, but now we're this is this is the space. Yeah, well, it's just convenient for everyone because it's accessible. As you guys you know? are doing. You you guys are doing. It's great. It's so important. We have the conversations about the arts. So important. Oh so it's yeah, great. it's great what you're doing. Yeah, and you just keep keep creating and keep creating. And just keep creating. Good. Just you yeah. got to practice every day. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. You got to do it. That's well, what I'd say. And and you've got to be passionate about it. And it and it takes it, total commitment. Total commitment. Total commitment. That's so true. And, um, and at times it's very difficult having a career in music. It is. Um, it's hard, and um, and you have to be very sensitive to be able to produce good work, I think, um, and that's hard because you get hurt and you're vulnerable. And so it's hard. It's not all easy, but it's amazing too. I think we're, yeah. we're the privileged ones. We're the lucky ones. We are. We're so lucky that we can express our feelings through music and and that it might have an audience and um, help other people, uh, you know, access their feelings. That's in a it, safe, eh? in a safe way, yeah, yeah. We can provide these um, 
these sonic spaces for people to everyone everyone's having their own experience and their own perception of of our of our, of our art. It's very very interesting. Well, in ancient times, music was and theatre was a healing art, mm. and mm. surely we need that now. Look at the world. No doubt yeah. about it. This is when we got to come into our. This is our time. That's it. Well, with that said, uh, we've covered a lot of ground and we've talked about a lot of interesting things. Uh, so, Yancha, I thank you so much for joining us today, um, relaying some of your experiences and some of your career highlights for everyone to hear. Yeah, thank you. next guest on the Horizons Pop Film Podcast is Samuel Foster, who has worked as a director, editor, cinematographer in the film and video industry for the past seven years. He's been pursuing his passion for narrative content. Samuel has produced dozens of short films and creative video content, collaborating with a varied clientele from independent writers and producers to multinational companies like Absolute Vodka and Calvin Klein. Sam is also the co-director and co-founder, I believe, of Playhead Productions, a Sydney-based production company specialising in creative video content for the arts industry. Like any freelance content creators these days, Sam possesses a wide array of industry-related skills and is sometimes known as quite the, the technical and uh, quite, quite the fixer in his field. Welcome, Sam. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, I've got a few questions for you today, but I'll start with something fairly broad. As a freelancer who regularly navigates an array of production roles in the multimedia arts, what opportunities do you see for sound designers or film scorers looking to get into this industry? So, yeah, it's kind of tricky. I mean, I think at the moment, I mean, there's never been more content created than there is now. You know, everyone's creating content and it all needs music. Like it's such an important part of it. Like all of these, you know, all the content that people are creating, but, and so you, so on the one hand, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity for music, but with all of this content, uh, I've found any way that also, you know, budgets haven't increased and there is, you know, it's actually um, hard to find a project that will, for, for my company anyway, that will allow us to bring on an actual composer to collaborate. So for, from my perspective, I think composers are kind of getting involved on a whole lot of different levels, like on a diverse range of levels in these kind of projects. So like um, when we can work with composers, we have done in the past. So we one of the things that we make is um, actor showreels, which are sort of like short films uh, for, for actors that show off their skills. And in the past, we've collaborated with uh, a composer to create soundtracks for these films. In terms of a lot of the kind of promotional and corporate stuff that I do, we don't have that kind of budget. And a lot of times the clients that I'm working with um, might even forget, you know, that the music's got to come from somewhere. And that'll be something that I kind of have to remind them of. And usually for that, we use things like sound libraries and uh, different music services, sort of like stock libraries. 
that provide us uh, sort of the music from different composers who have their sound libraries that they've put on those, those networks and we can buy a license for the project. So usually the music's coming from kind of three places in, our, in my projects. It's either we've worked with the composer, but that's kind of rare, or we've gotten it from one of these stock libraries or the music's been provided by the client. So because we work kind of in the arts a lot with theater and, and uh, dance and performances, a lot of times a composer will be involved in that project. And so then we can then get the music from the composer um, as part of the video offering as well. So yeah, they're the three main kind of ways that we get to collaborate with composers um, yeah. for, for our work. Well, well that's, that's all very, very interesting. Obviously, there's a number of ways to go about it. So you do a lot of promo videos for various corporations and typically you're using a lot of material from the stock audio companies, which I imagine is fairly regular practice for a range of editors and content creators. I did some reading up on Audio Network. It seems to be an interesting possible pathway for composers to pair up stock audio contracts with all of their other freelance work, whether it's um, contracts with individuals, direct with a client, or working on their own films, etc. But I'm wondering what advantages and disadvantages do you see for composers who release some of their music on these stock audio platforms? Yeah, so... I mean, I think one of the biggest advantages for um, producers and composers to release on the platform like that is to cr- try and create some sort of passive income because, you know, like, like all creative fields, it's, it's hard because I think we get, get told often, you know, how, you know, what's the way forward? How am I going to kind of like develop my career? And at the end of the day, a lot of the time, I feel like the message that you get from people is just that, well, you just have to start making stuff. Um, you know, you just do it and then you eventually make it. But the unfortunate thing about that is that it's kind of like, how are you going to actually survive and pay your rent? And so I think there's now, you know, people are really diversifying their offerings, I guess, you know, so, so trying to create like a passive income where, you know, a lot of composers and producers will have like a library of stuff that they've just made in, you know, in the meantime, that maybe they'd, it's not right for a project that's that they've got going on um, currently or or it doesn't fit with you know the projects that they want to pursue and so they put it in you know in a folder somewhere and that kind of sits there and and if it's good quality um, you know uploading it to a resource like this kind of like gives them the opportunity to generate this passive income where they can just let it sit online and you know generate a bit of income while they pursue other endeavors so that you know that's a big benefit a couple of the disadvantages i think you know that i can see just come from copyright and licensing depending on that you know different different platforms all have different kind of rates that they'll offer the composers for for sales of their their music they're all different and, and usually the really popular ones that actually sell a lot of music have lower rates for the artists generally because they sell more. And so the artists still want to go with them, but they get less of a chunk of the profits. And so I was, I was reading about this before because it's kind of an area that I'm looking to, to get into as well and, and, and looking into, you know, whether it's viable or not. And what it seems like is most of the, the producers and composers who are 
using these kinds of stock platforms will upload their music to a whole lot of different ones so that they can kind of capitalize on different sales that happen across different platforms. So whether it's on audio network or it's on like artlist.io or um, it's the other one, like premium, premium beat, or there's a, there's a couple of, of big ones. They'll have them across the platforms, but what some of these stock um, sites are doing now is that they're actually limiting the um, copyright to their own site. So, so mm. some of these sites, a, a composer will, you know, sell basically their copyright of this, um, of their track for, you know, a certain amount of time. It could be a really, you know, really long time and actually then also not be able to upload it anywhere else because the, um, the stock website will actually own right. the full rights to it for, you know, potentially forever. Um, and the so, print, eh? yeah, exactly. So you kind of, yeah. if you don't read it, I mean, you might not expect that your song will do very well. You just chuck it on and you're like, I hope it makes a few bucks, but on the occasion that it actually starts doing really well, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm editing stuff all the time and I'm listening to all these tracks and like, there's a few tracks on, you know, from some of these sites that have become really popular and I'm, I'm watching TV and every second ad, I'll be like, Oh, that's that track from, um, from audio network that everyone's using at the moment. And so there's someone hopefully making a fair bit of money off that, but at the same time, they might also be limited by not being able to offer that track on different platforms because they've already signed it off to one, one stock platform. So you've done some soundtracks yourself. You're a musician too, and you're looking to move more into the composing and audio production side of the, the multimedia industries. You've got a range of visual and multimedia skills and have built a career out of it. But I'm wondering how you plan to transition yourself onto the other side of the coin, so to speak, that being composition and, and audio. I think it's that reoccurring problem for, for all creatives where it's like we can see the product and we, can, we, know, we now know how to make it, but we don't know how to make it sustainable. So, um, so yeah, so that's what I've been thinking about a lot. I think that my general plan is, and I mentioned it before, which um, about kind of diversifying your offering and, you know, which is kind of ironic because, you know, I, I've clearly already done that with, with video production in that, you know, I'm working as a, an editor, a director and a cinematographer and kind of doing a whole lot of, of different things um, in that, in that sphere as well. But now, um, you know, I, I studied, I did a diploma in audio engineering last year and since then I've kind of started really working in audio editing uh, skills as part of kind of what I'm offering currently with the whole video production thing. So I, I'm kind of, I'm wanting to work more with music and, and, and composition, but I think where I'm starting off now is kind of just moving more and more into a sound-based focus. So like some of the things that I'm offering now are, are more about, you know, mixing, cleaning up, cleaning up bad audio. Um, you know, they're, they're things that it's funny because there's they're things that editors now are really expected to have a bit of a handle on. Like they kind of are expected to have a bit of a handle on like sound design and things like that. But, you know, there's not enough time for them to really focus on. So 
I can kind of offer a kind of more detailed sound design approach or audio fixing approach for, for clients that need it. Um, you know, the other, and, and yeah, so that'll keep going and I'll, and I will kind of keep making scores for people who need them and hopefully kind of get that momentum and get that kind of, um, portfolio of work that you, that you also need to build up before you can go for people who will pay a decent amount of money for you to, you know, um, compose something for them. Um, the other thing that, that I've been working on is, um, so I've got this, um, sort of electronic collaboration with another friend of mine called Automatica. Um, and that music is, is really, was always kind of based around this kind of cinematic approach and producing music that um, it's kind of a lo-fi, um, lo-fi kind of chill hop kind of, kind of, kind of project. Um, and it was always kind of designed to one, be groovy, but also just sound really good in the back of videos. Um, okay. And, and so that, that whole music kind of, we're kind of, putting that out there and we haven't loaded it onto any kind of of these stock services or, or anything, but we're hoping to kind of maybe um, engage some more content creators um, on, you know, social media platforms and see if they'd like to use the music and see if that's another way that we can kind of spread um, this project and, and also maybe create like a bit of a passive income with that kind of stuff that we all already kind of enjoy producing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've heard some of that stuff. It's really quite, quite, quite fantastic. Um, and I guess there is something to be said to just continuing to create, for, yeah, for you know, for, for the joy of it and so on, and um, and and getting better at what you do. Oh, it's been very interesting to hear your perspective on things. And thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Well, we've come to the end of this episode, which has been quite exploratory in relation to the film music industry and sound art in general. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, they cover a range of fascinating sectors and horizons in the music industry too. Um, that's it from us for the minute. See you on the flip side. See you later, guys. The Horizons podcast is brought to you by our wonderful team. Thank you to our interviewers, Lily Haddenham, Mickey J, Joe Conroy, Liam Gatt, Will Matrakis and Rowan James, our music composer, Aidan Panetta, our graphic designer and social media representative, Bree Truitt, our executive producers, Mickey J and Liam Gatt, and Lee Carriage for overseeing the project. Thanks for listening.